Good morning, everyone. So who's feeling a bit fed up and ready for this whole COVID thing to end? Yeah, me too. With things starting to unlock, there are positive signs of some sort of endpoint, but we're not at the finish line yet, and we may well see some form of restriction for some time to come. With all this going on, it's easy to feel frustrated. It's easy to feel like life is on pause and it's tempting to just sit around and wait for everything to get back to normal. It's kind of like a ship adrift at sea. Instead of powering through, we just stop, letting the winds and currents take us where they may until everything is fixed and sorted. Today, we're continuing our series in the book of Hebrews. Louise kicked off the series for us last week and introduced us to our theme, which is Don't Give Up. In the midst of life's difficulties, hold on tightly to Jesus and keep going with him. Louise took us through chapter one, where the author shows how the Old Testament points to Jesus and why Jesus is greater than the angels and why that means we should follow him. Today, we're looking at chapter two and the first of six ways that Hebrews teaches us to keep going with Jesus in difficult times, and that is to pay attention. As we went through with the children, and as it says in verse one of Hebrews chapter two, pay the most careful attention to what we've heard so we do not drift away. But what is it that we've heard that we must pay the most careful attention to? And how will this help us stay on course while the pandemic is still a reality. Well, if you are paying attention to the children's talk, hopefully you have some idea already. But now we've had the whole of chapter two read to us, let's go a bit deeper. By the way, as you probably gathered from the reading, there's a lot to unpack in this passage. So I recommend having a Bible in front of you to follow along with. So let's start Hebrews chapter two, verse one. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore. Now, already a good point to stop. A solid rule of thumb in reading the Bible is, if you come across the word therefore, it's worth exploring what it's there for. So, what is this therefore, therefore? Well, it's a reference to chapter one, in which the author tells us that Jesus is superior to angels. So, Jesus is superior to angels, Therefore, we must pay attention to what we've heard so we don't drift away. Makes sense, right? Mm, no, not really. Why does Jesus' superiority to angels mean that we need to pay attention? Well, let's read on. For since the message spoken by the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Ah, okay, so we're starting to get a bit of the picture here. In Acts chapter 7, during Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin that we read before Easter, Stephen tells us that angels gave Moses God's law at Mount Sinai, which Moses then delivered to the Israelites. So in Hebrews, the message spoken through the angels refers to the Old Testament law. But what about the Old Testament law? Well, again, verse two, 
every violation and disobedience of it received its just punishment. In other words, every time someone broke the law, there was punishment. Sometimes an animal could be sacrificed in place of the person breaking the law, but other, but other times the offending person was put to death. So, Jesus is greater than the angels. Those who disobeyed the message of the angels, the law of Moses, were punished. And now, in verse 3, there's salvation through Jesus. But what about this salvation? Well, still in verse 3, if there was no escape from punishment in Old Testament times, how can we possibly escape punishment if we ignore the message from Jesus, who is greater than the angels who delivered the old message? Oof, okay, so if you haven't completely tuned out already, let's put this in terms that might be a bit more familiar. Romans chapter 6 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is basically what the author of Hebrews is saying, only instead of taking one verse like in Romans, this author takes three verses and uses a lot more confusing language. In the Old Testament and the New, sin means judgment by death. In the Old, animals were sacrificed and people were killed to atone for sin. In the New, Jesus took our place by dying on the cross to free us from death, also known as hell. If we ignore Jesus, if we fail to pay attention to his teaching and follow him, we will be subject to death. But if we commit our lives to Jesus, we will have eternal life in his presence. This is the message of verses 1 to 3 and the central doctrine of our Christian faith. Jesus died so we might have life. But why am I telling you this? Most of us have already made a commitment to follow Christ, so why do we need to go over it again? particularly as we just did all this at Easter. By the way, if you haven't made such a commitment, please stick around. This will become just as relevant for you. Similarly, we know this letter was originally written to Jewish Christians, hence its name, Hebrews. Why would they need reminding of the gospel message? Well, the key here is back in verse 1. So we do not drift away, like a ship that drifts off course. But... What are the implications here? What happens when a believer drifts away? Now, here's where things get a bit tricky because this is an interpretation issue that faithful Bible-believing Christians strongly disagree on. Most likely, there'll be different people watching this morning who hold conflicting views on the subject. And that's okay. It's fine to disagree. But in seeking to understand this passage, it's worth getting a bit uncomfortable and maybe challenging our preconceptions a bit. I think the best thing to do by way of answer is just to read those first three verses again and let the passage speak for itself. Perhaps you want to pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to you what these verses are saying about the implications of drifting away. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so we do not drift away. For since the message spoken by the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Another way to think about this is to consider how the author might be using drifting away as a metaphor. What happens when a ship goes off course? Best case scenario, it finds its way to a different port. 
Worst case, it gets stranded, crashes into an obstacle, or gets hit by a storm. In any case, it fails to reach its destination. But let's not get too hung up on this. The point is, the author wants us to pay the most careful attention to the message of salvation through Jesus, so we don't drift away. And whatever the implications of drifting away, they are not good. So let's do just that this morning. Let's pay careful attention to Jesus. Let's see what he can teach us about feeling frustrated, grieved and perhaps rejected or forgotten by God. Because what the rest of Hebrews 2 is telling us in the author's own very long-winded way is that while Jesus is God's son, he was also fully human. While on earth, he was just like us, but a perfect version of us with a specific mission. Verse 11 says, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. And then verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hopefully none of us will ever go through something as painful as being beaten, whipped and left to die on a Roman cross. But in our own way, we are suffering. We're suffering in ways, if not caused by, then certainly made worse by the pandemic. Depression, loneliness, illness, bereavement, such suffering leads to a temptation to just give up, to put our lives on pause for a while until this all blows over. But as verse 18 says, Jesus' own suffering as a human enables him to help us who are being tempted in our suffering. So, what can Jesus teach us about staying on course during a period of suffering? Well, let's walk through Jesus' final week before his death to see how he dealt with the anguish of his upcoming crucifixion. Let's look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. You might want to turn there in your Bibles, perhaps keeping a finger in Hebrews 2. In Mark 14, we read about Jesus praying in the olive grove called Gethsemane. In verses 33 and 34, Mark tells us that Jesus took Peter, James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. So, Mark makes it clear that Jesus is in anguish. Then it says, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Okay, so let's break this down. First, Jesus uses an intimate name for Father God, Abba, something akin to our modern daddy. Then he acknowledges God's power by saying, everything is possible for you. Then, in one of Jesus' most surprising statements, he asks God to take the cup of suffering away from him, but then quickly concedes to God's will. So, what can we learn from this? In times of suffering, we should pay attention to God through prayer. It is so tempting to let our prayer lives drift in times of trouble. But if anything, that's when it's more, even more important to pray. And not just any old prayer. Jesus' prayer acknowledges Father God in an intimate, knowing way. He acknowledged who God is by affirming God's power. When we pray into our suffering, 
let's not forget who God is. He is our loving Father and the one who has the power to do everything. Jesus also allowed himself to be vulnerable and brutally honest. He knew the importance of what he was about to do, but for a moment he admitted that he didn't want to do it. He asked for another option. We don't know why God has allowed this pandemic to go on for so long, to cause so much suffering. And it's okay to be honest with him that we feel overwhelmed by this, that we want it all to be over. But importantly, in spite of Jesus' fear, he concedes to the Father. Whatever the Father's will, that comes above even Jesus' own desires. And so for us, in our suffering, let's say to God, your will be done. It says in Romans chapter 11, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. We don't have God's wisdom. We can't understand his plans in the pandemic. But we can and should admit to God when we're suffering, when we want relief from our suffering. But ultimately, we're called to acknowledge that God knows infinitely more than we do. And we must concede to his will. Part of God's will for Jesus was to carry on his mission. Jesus knew that, despite the pain, he had to die for our sins. So he did. Our mission is from Jesus. It's the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Conceding to God's will in the pandemic is to continue preaching the gospel and making disciples, even if we can't do it the way we used to. So how else does Jesus handle his cup of suffering? Well, let's read on in Mark, turning the page to chapter 15. In verses 22 and 23, just before he's nailed to the cross, Jesus is offered wine drugged with a resin called myrrh, which in Jesus' day was used as a painkiller. Jesus refuses the mixture because, as we read in the previous chapter, he had committed to drink the cup of suffering God had given him, not this cup of mild relief offered by men. Now, does that mean we should avoid taking painkillers or we should cancel our appointment to take the COVID vaccine? Absolutely, clearly, no. That is not what we should take from this passage. Refusing pain relief was a unique, symbolic act on Jesus' part. We should absolutely definitely accept any help God offers in this time, including man-made medicine. But what we can take from this passage is this. Accepting God's will means exactly that. Accepting what God has allowed to happen. Not running away from it, not pretending it isn't happening, but accepting it. In England, at time of recording, we're still going to have some form of restriction until at least mid-June, if not later. It is so frustrating having not been able to live our normal lives for over a year. But denial, ignorance and anger will not make the restrictions lift any sooner. Breaking the government's rules will not make this go away. In fact, it may make it stick around longer. Screaming at God in anger will not make this go away either. But accepting the situation and being good examples to the unsaved world of how to submit to our flawed but God-given governing authorities, 
That is how we're called to respond. Okay, so what have we got so far? What is it about Jesus that we should pay attention to so we don't drift away during times of hardship? We talked about Jesus paying attention to God, prayerfully acknowledging God's love and power while at the same time admitting his own fears. We looked at Jesus accepting God's will, even while he was facing death. So how else might Jesus' example help us in these troubled times? Well, let's turn to Luke's account of the crucifixion. In Luke 23, from verse 32, the Roman soldiers nailed Jesus to the cross alongside two criminals. Here, before his amazing heroic death, Jesus does two other amazing things. Firstly, in verse 34, he asks God to forgive the Roman soldiers who are crucifying him. Second, in verse 40, when the criminal, one of the criminals acknowledges God's justice, Jesus' innocence and his own guilt, Jesus comforts the man, saying, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Here's what I take from this incredible passage. First, Jesus seeks forgiveness for those who have contributed to his suffering. Now, we all likely have a bunch of people to whom we could easily direct our anger in these times. Perhaps the government for maybe not acting quickly enough or for making decisions we personally disagree with. Perhaps those blatantly flouting the rules, maybe anti-vaxxers or other conspiracy theorists, those people potentially drawing this thing out longer than it needs to. Or maybe loved ones who are pressuring us to meet up when we don't feel safe. Or the opposite, those who, like us, to us, are going too far beyond the rules, so we never get to see them. Maybe those we live with, our families or housemates, who might be getting on our nerves, saying the wrong things or not listening to us when we're upset. Let's follow Jesus' example. Forgive those people and ask God to forgive them even if they don't know they've done wrong. Second, on the brink of death, Jesus comforts the man beside him. I reckon this is one of the most important things we should be doing right now. Reaching out to others and comforting them, even as we ourselves need comforting. And not just those closest to us. It's easy to comfort people we like, our loved ones when they're on our good side. But what about those same people who are getting on our nerves? We've just talked about forgiving them, now how about comforting them? Even if we can't give them a big hug, we can still listen, we can still empathise, we can still encourage. So, there we are. Following Jesus' example, in these dark times, let us prayerfully acknowledge who God is, confess our fears, but accept his will. And let's reach out to our neighbours, virtually or otherwise, Forgive them and comfort them as we wish to be comforted. Are these lessons the main point of the crucifixion story? No. But as Hebrews chapter 2 tells us, Jesus became human just like us, only perfect. And his perfect actions during the darkest time of his earthly life can be an example to us for staying on the right path during what will hopefully be the final months of lockdown. If you find yourself lost 
and despairing during these frustrating times, repeat Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, like a mantra. We must pay the most careful attention to what we've heard so we do not drift away. Then remind yourself what it is we have heard. Read the Gospels. Read about the good news of Jesus coming to earth as a man, teaching us his ways, dying and rising again, so that we might experience eternal life with Jesus if we repent of our sins and follow him. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you're already far from Jesus and don't want to drift any further, then please read the Gospels for yourself and maybe join the Zoom call at the end of today's service or fill out the contact form at portswood.org to get plugged in with us and learn more about our Saviour. But for all of us, the message is the same. Pay the most careful attention to Jesus so you do not drift away. Amen.